Welcome to Catholic Focus. I'm Joan Ebistinsky, your host, and today I'm joined by someone I know very well. It's my lovely wife of over 40 years, Donna Nebistinsky. Donna is the pastoral associate at St. Elizabeth and Seaton Parish in Mechanicsburg. Welcome to Holy Family Radio. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do. First of all, what you do at the parish. That might be interesting first. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I do a lot of different things at the parish. As pastoral associate, I coordinate and facilitate uh, RCIA. I do home visits. I am a certified spiritual director, so I meet with people in spiritual direction. I help with liturgy planning, um, lots of different things. And uh, one of the things that uh, has come up that's been new for me and for the parish is uh, this mental health ministry that I am now um, leading. Yeah, that's why we wanted to bring you on here today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that ministry? Sure. Um, mental health ministry is simply titled Mental Health Ministry at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And um, it has a focus with three different, three different goals. Uh, let me give you a little background as to how it got started. Uh, during the COVID shutdown, I was just investigating and searching and, of course, mindlessly scrolling, unfortunately, through Facebook and some other things, like a lot of people. But I came across a group called Trauma-Informed Parishes. And that group uh, was just posting information, posting uh, different memes and different uh, publications that could be used, knowing that once this COVID situation was ended, that we were going to be ministering to those people who had experienced a lot of trauma from that situation. So I ended up doing a Zoom call with that woman. And during that process, she said to me, oh, you you seem to have an interest in mental health in, in particular. You should get in touch with this deacon. Uh, his name is Ed Schoner, and he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And the interesting thing is that uh, this woman that I was talking to had no idea that I was only two hours south of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So it seemed like a real God-given gift to be able to connect with Deacon Schoner. Um, I eventually did do that, and we talked. I found another parishioner who was interested in helping me launch a ministry um, composed of mental health support. So I took a course uh, through the University of San Diego and was certified then to launch this this ministry here at the parish. Um, so in conjunction with the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers and Deacon Ed Schoner, who is the president of that organization, we went ahead and got started. I applied for a grant through the association and was awarded $10,000 to use to get the ministry up and running and to provide some support to uh, local local folks through the parish ministry. So we have we have three basic goals that we came up with uh, with this ministry. Again, like I said, it's just called Mental Health Ministry at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. It doesn't have a fancy name. It's just got this right out there, right out front name so that people know who we are and what we're about. So there are three, uh, three things that we do. Um, the first is to provide spiritual support groups. So again, myself and another parishioner, and then I trained a few more. We meet on the second and fourth Wednesdays at the parish. We have two different types of support groups that we run. We run one group that is for the family and friends of those who are walking uh, a journey of mental health illness. And then we also have a group, a support group for those individuals who are uh, walking through that. 
Um, we also, as part of our ministry, have determined that we would like to work on ways to reduce the stigma that's attached to mental health issues. So for example, when someone has cancer, you don't say they are cancer. But when somebody receives a diagnosis of, say, bipolar disorder, we say, oh, that person's bipolar. So those are the kinds of things, even simple use of language, that needs to go away. Uh, we need to understand more clearly that this is a diagnosable illness on many different levels and reduce that stigma so that people are seeking help, that people are um, looking for resources and not just kind of maintaining things on their own. So reducing the stigma involves a lot of education. Uh, so we are also, as part of our ministry, providing public workshops, public education, and awareness. The other piece is um, providing resources. So what we've begun doing is gathering all of those different pieces in one place. So, for example, if someone needs just a short amount of support or needs some questions answered, we know where to send them. Um, and we're currently in the process of gathering all of that and publishing it on our website, our our parish website is is being rebuilt right now. So, uh, but that page eventually will be a major part of that. So, those are the three major pieces behind the ministry itself. We are not certified counselors. We are not therapists, but we are there to listen and provide those resources uh, for anybody who comes. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, doesn't get talked about very much. Like you said, the mental health issue is something that is usually not discussed. Other things, like you said, are, you know, if someone has a diagnosis of cancer, that, that is something that is talked about. But when it comes to mental health, it's one of those, it's still a taboo subject. So I think this is a really an, an important um, mission that, you, that you've undertaken. Okay. Uh, tell us about some of the activities you have coming up. Sure. Um, one of the things that we did back in the fall was we partnered with NAMI. NAMI is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and they have a branch in uh, Cumberland Perry County. The church is located in Cumberland County, but we also have parishioners in York County. So we're reaching out also to NAMI of York County as well to kind of come on board with us. We have uh, scheduled some talks. We have had already had a few speakers in. Uh, back in August, um, I provided, or the group provided, mental health first aid training. We had about 30 people show up for that. It is a certificate program similar to CPR or first aid training. Actually, Deacon Schoner came down and, and did that training with us. And we hope to provide that again and possibly reach out to the local school districts that our parish serves and, and invite them in to have that training for maybe some of their teachers, their counselors, their nurses, and so forth. So that's one of the big pieces we're looking at. Another thing that we've done and are planning to do is continuing to hopefully our goal was once a month. Uh, we're trying now at least once a month or once every two months to bring in speakers that we know are professional, that we know that we have vetted, of course, through organizations and can provide information. We've, we've had two other presentations, but the one coming up on February 15th is the first one that we are doing in partnership with NAMI. Uh, we are bringing up a doctor from Penn State Health, Penn State Hershey. Um, her name is Dr. Dahlia Mukherjee. 
and she is coming to speak on anxiety disorders. Um, anxiety disorders are one of the most prevalent um, issues that most people are dealing with, and um, this is open to the public. It will be 7 p.m. on Wednesday, February 15th. There's no cost. Again, like I said, the grant money that I received is is taking care of any kind of cost in, that we might um you know, donations to the organizations that come in, uh, donation or, or fee that the doctor might have. Uh, so everything we offer is free to the public. So that that's our next event, 7 p.m. Wednesday, February 15th at the church. Um, and again, um, that is uh, the doctor from Penn State Hershey who's coming to speak on anxiety disorders. That sounds like it's going to be really, really interesting. You know, a lot of young people are dealing with that issue right now. Uh, right. I mean, there, there probably aren't any of us that haven't had at some point in time some t- some type of anxiety disorder, whether it's a full-blown panic attack or just uh, nervousness in situations, uh, a fear of flying, uh, just all kinds of things that provide uh, or or cause, I guess, um, anxiety and anxious feelings within people. So. Yeah, and the pandemic did not help with that either. No, did not it? at I all. Mean, yeah, not that, at all. That was not a good thing. Um, in in speaking to some of my friends who are mental health professionals and in consultation with some of those people, um, the rise in treatment that's necessary for all sorts of things has just absolutely been phenomenal after after COVID, um, and unfortunately, the number of certified counselors, certified therapists, um, and this is a whole other issue, has decreased significantly. Yeah, um, there's just not enough to go around. No, right? not not yeah. even close, not even close. Um, so that's also another piece to this is um, making people aware of the resources, like I mentioned before. So, What else do you have going on? Uh, well, looking ahead, we have an interesting program um, that I think will um, – be of great use to a lot of people. Um, Doc, uh, Deacon Shoner, excuse me, Deacon Shoner, um, started this ministry because he lost his daughter Katie back in 2016. Um, Katie had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and had struggled with that for about 11 years and ended up, uh, losing her life to suicide. So Deacon Shoner um, wrote her obituary. It went viral, and that's when he was called to start this ministry. He has joined forces, basically, with some other major Catholic figures, including Bishop John Dolan and uh, Monsignor Charles Pope, to form a, or uh, to produce a video series with the Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries called uh, When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. And it's based on the book that, uh, of the same name that, that Deacon and uh, Bishop Dolan have written. We have many copies of it available to the public. Uh, and we do have the video series that we're going to be running. It's an eight week series. It starts March 1st. And uh, it's based on these videos and the small book and just a discussion group. One does not have to have experienced suicide in their family um, to attend. You don't even have to be Catholic to attend. It is based on Catholic teaching. But I think it's a tool that would be important for everybody to participate in. Uh, Donna, we have to wrap it up there. The time is saying it's time to go. So thank you for being a guest here on Catholic Focus. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this segment of Catholic Focus. Donna, I'll see you at dinner. Sure. 
Welcome to this segment of Catholic Focus, and today I'm joined by Marcel Lejean. Did I say your name correctly? It's close. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, welcome to Holy Family Radio. Thank you for being with us. Uh, You are going to be the keynote speaker at our Diocesan Men Conference uh, March 18th at 7.30 in the morning. It's going to start 7.30 until 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Diocesan Center, and we're really happy to have you here in Harrisburg, and I thought we'd get you on the air today and, and talk a little bit about who you are and what your apostolate is. You're the president and founder of the Catholic Missionary Disciples, and you are an evangelist, an international speaker, and an author, so welcome to Holy Family Radio. Yeah, thank you for having me, Joe, and uh, I'm looking forward to being in Harrisburg. Uh, I think that part of Pennsylvania is just absolutely beautiful, and I'm looking uh, forward to coming back. It, it's really it's really a great place to be. I've been here in the area my whole life, and it is a it is a great place to be. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your apostolate does. Yeah, I'm a husband and father. Uh, I've been working full time in Catholic ministry in one form or another for the last couple of decades. I spent a long time in Catholic campus ministry. Uh, I worked at Texas Tech, and I ran the campus ministry at Texas A and M which is the largest campus ministry in the world. Um, And so about six years ago, I left that work and started an apostolate, Catholic Missionary Disciples, where we equip Catholic leaders for transformational ministry. And and what that looks like primarily is we come alongside uh, teams of leaders in dioceses and parishes and schools, and we help form and coach them for what it really means to do evangelization and to mature disciples. And we do that on the individual level with individual leaders, and then we take the whole group and we help them to start to transform their institution so that on the institutional level, the institution is acting as an agent of evangelization and growth and discipleship of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we're starting to affect the culture um, and change the things that need to be changed and improve the things that need to be improved, but really ultimately to get people to heaven. And so that's why we exist. And it's exciting and fun work. We, uh, we only work with a handful of Catholic leadership teams at a time because we do this for about a year for each group. Mm-hmm. So you basically work with leaders to do it like a top-down kind of effect on a system. Is that what you're saying? In a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to make sure we're doing is helping them to cast vision, to have the skills necessary to do the pastoral work they need to do, to understand deeper, and to to then operate as a team in mm-hmm. a healthy environment with that vision and start to implement it. And so what we're trying to do is help them also pass down the faith in an organic way through relationships and community building and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing the story of God and, and doing so in a dynamic and and new way that's that's kind of recapturing the power of the Holy Spirit for uh, a new age in the 21st century. Because as you and I know, Joe, it's um, we're in an age of decline in the church, in the United States at least, and and we've got to do some things a little bit differently. And we've got to, got to reach people who don't care about God or the Catholic Church right now, who don't trust the institutions. <laughs> so we can't just keep doing the same things we have been doing for generations and hope they have a different outcome. Yeah, my next question was going to be, uh, why are Catholic missionary disciples needed? Uh, But I think you just answered that, right? Yeah, and I think it's also needed because if you just think about Catholic culture and um, the way we've kind of operated, we've 
for the on the institutional level. Well, first, let's start there. You think about our our parishes. Most parishes do very little outreach outside of maybe some you know a food pantry or serving the poor, some St. Vincent de Paul kind of things, and those are great. You know, we might have a a soup kitchen or even a you know visits to the prison or a maternity home and pro life work. Those are good. But what about the explicit proclamation that Jesus Christ exists and he's come to save us from our sins? And on an institutional level, really, we're more focused inward, maintaining the institution, managing the programs, putting on classes and events. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if it comes at the detriment of us actually taking the mission of Jesus to the world, then we've forgotten something. And that is that the Catholic Church doesn't exist just for Catholics. It exists for everybody. And our job is to actually be the agents of salvation for God in the world today that needs desperately to know about Jesus and his church. And so on the institutional level, we do have a lot of work to do. And um, I think that starts, though, even with individuals like you and I. You know, mm -hmm. how, how do we become better evangelists? How do we do this with our friends and our family, with fallen away Catholics? How do we help those, you know, kids and grandkids and aunts and uncles and cousins, but also our neighbors, our coworkers, uh, you know, the, the parents of our, of the kids, our kids' friends, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things. It's how do we reach the world? For yeah, Jesus? we, I agree. I couldn't agree more. We have a, a, I think from my perspective, and I'm a lifelong Catholic, we have like a closed door kind of club. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. We need to evangelize uh, a two-pronged approach. Uh, the people that uh, are in the pews that are coming to church, that many of them don't have a real understanding of of what's what's going on, or you know what I mean. They don't have an understanding because we we have had problems in the past with catechesis, and then we have that group of people that are on our books as Catholics, and we need to evangelize to them. And then that third group, the people that are outside, and those that group, I think we have the least amount of focus on of all of them. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right; it does start with those people who are maybe coming to our doors. But our our act of evangelization doesn't end because people come to our institutions, right? Our institution mm -hmm. needs to be outward focused, not so much inward. Now, those people who are coming to us, one of the things we have to do, and this is part of what I try to when I'm examining culture with our Catholic leaders, one of the things I have them do is I say, okay, I want you to think about the average mass goer um, and where they are spiritually um, and how their relationship with God looks. Um, and the statistics would shock most of the Catholic population in this country if you actually looked at it. Because if you look at it through a spiritual lens, most Catholics who go to mass are not disciples of Jesus. And now this is a particular term in the way I'm using it. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who has had a conversion and has chosen with an act of faith, an, an intentional act of faith, I want to follow Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. The Bible tells us this. Catholic tradition tells us this. The magisterium tells us this. It's in our catechism. Um, all our popes have talked about this. But the language actually almost offends a lot of Catholic sensibilities. And that is that, oh, who are you to tell me where I am? Now, I'm not talking about on an individual level. That's, that's based on getting to know somebody. But if you're talking about statistics, we're talking a, just a very low percentage of Catholics who go to Mass are actually disciples. So what does that mean? The majority of Catholics who even go to Mass need to be evangelized. They need, we, as the mm -hmm. church, then can't assume 
that just because somebody shows up to mass, just because somebody has a label like active Catholic or a position, they're president of this or you know head of that organization, or that they work at the church or even are ordained clergy or religious, that they're disciples. Because the, the fact of the matter is that assumption has actually stunted our evangelization and therefore our growth. And so we need to get a little bit more bold. We need to get a little bit more uh, courageous in the fact of talking about Jesus, using his name, um, exactly. faith, praying yeah. for people. And, and this, is, this is a lot of what, you know, I, I do with Catholic leaders is kind of break the silence about these issues in order to try to equip them so that they can go out and do it with others. What kind of response do you get from uh, the different people you've, been, people you've been working with? You know what? I don't think it's, it's this is the good news about this. Most Catholic leaders aren't arguing with the stuff I've just said. Um, the data is there. The, the, the numbers, you know, and the percentages and the statistics are all there. And I think a lot of people are kind of wrapping their heads around that. So, you know, when I say something like for every one Catholic who enters the church in the United States in the last 20 years, we have six who leave out of the back door. Um, that's just, okay, that's a fact. We can't argue it. The real thing that a lot of people try to get around is, okay, well, what do we do about it? What's our strategy? And strategy is where there's a lot of kind of debate and, and it's a healthy debate. So it's good. It's fine. Let's put this on the table. What, what actually do we need to do and what works? Well, first of all, I mean, Jesus told us, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So where's the fruit? Let's look at the fruit. Where's the, where are the organizations? Where, where are the things where are the apostolates? Where are the parishes that are having the most fruit? And what are they doing? And mm -hmm. how, how are they succeeding? Now, that doesn't mean we can just go copy them and plop them down into our place. I live in Texas, right? Um, and, and you're in Harrisburg. Mm -hmm. So you can't just take something from a parish in my town and plop it in Harrisburg and expect it to work. And then actually, you couldn't even do that across town in a lot of ways, because we know parish culture is so different from parish to parish, right? What works in one place may or may not work in another. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that the principles uh, that are taught by the church, by, that have been given to us through the apostles from Jesus, they work, right? I mean, praying for people works. Prayer is powerful. Um, sharing our faith uh, and being bold and explicit in proclaiming Jesus Christ and his gospel message it works. Uh, talking about how God has worked in my own life, uh, caring for people, living in community, having meaningful relationships, uh, investing deeply in a handful of people, those things all work. What may not work nowadays is a particular program or an mm -hmm. event or a class. It's not going to necessarily work everywhere. So we have to be careful about looking for kind of that, that uh, magic bullet syndrome you know, where we all want, oh, this box package, this video series, this thing, this, it worked for me, therefore it's going to work for everybody. That's just mm -hmm. not the case. What does work is loving people right where they're at and then trying to help walk with them to get them somewhere better um, by proclaiming things. And that that's what being yeah. a saint and being a great evangelist is is not easy stuff, but that's what we're called to do. And that's going to be the fix. Can you give us just a few senses about what the process is that, that you go through? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we enter into uh, a time of kind of three different areas. One is there's uh, content that we cover with, with each session. And for the first 12 weeks that I'm working with a leadership team, I go deeply into uh, weekly uh, meetings. And we do 12 weeks of that. And then after that, it's nine months of monthly meetings. 
And that in involves three parts. One is the content. So where we're covering certain topics and informing people, these Catholic leaders and principles and, and everything from vision to how to be better evangelists, et cetera. And then there's an individual coaching session where I get one-on-one -on -one time so that they're applying the content within their own work and their own life because every person needs something different. And what a pastor needs is different than what a youth minister or DRE needs, right? Or what the mm -hmm. bishop needs is different than the vicar general director of evangelization. And then we do the third thing, which is kind of a group coaching um, every week and every session. And that involves, okay, how, what are the discussions this group needs to have around this topic? How do they apply this in their work and institution in particular? And then we move from there into nine months of kind of um, where I take each one of these uh, groups and we discern and pray together and try to figure out what is their particular need and how do we apply this stuff in their own context. And so it looks different with every group um, over the last nine months of working with them. And so hopefully what I'm, we're doing is setting a course for success and growth and, and greater fruitfulness in their institution. Thank you for spending time with us here at Holy Family Radio. We're going to have to cut it off there. Uh, we have to remind everybody you're going to be at the men's conference March 18th. At 7.30, the program is going to be starting. There's going to be adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. There's going to be confessions. There's going to be the Mass. And you are going to be the keynote speaker, Marcel Lejean. Thank you for being with us here on Holy Family Radio. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to the conference. We'll be seeing you there. Thank you for being with us. 